loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm talking with Stephanie Selden Howard. Stephanie's the director and producer of The Weight of Honor, a documentary about families caring for their catastrophically wounded loved ones returning from wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Stephanie believes empathy is the driving force behind storytelling, something she attributes to her 25-year career as a broadcast news producer. The Omaha, Nebraska native is the recipient of a Los Angeles Emmy Award coupled with two additional Los Angeles Emmy nominations. Stephanie's produced specials and documentaries for CNN, Fox News Channel, and Reuters, as well as local coverage for KNBC-TV and KTTV-TV in Los Angeles. In 2014, she was awarded the Roy W. Dean Grant, awarded by the by From the Heart Productions. Uh, that's a great a great name for an organization, making her doc- documentary The Weight of Honor possible. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you very much, Cheryl. It's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm really pleased to have you, and I just want to start by thanking you for a beautiful film. I actually re-watched it this morning. I'd watched it early. I re-watched it and had um, more tears, so I really thank you for the film. Uh, it was a labor of love. It, that that shows in it, I feel, and and I want to talk with you in a little bit about just what it was like to make that movie because, as as a um, uh, as a viewer, I just felt so close to the people that you were, uh, whose stories you were sharing, and uh, I I don't imagine that can happen unless you also felt close to them. That's correct, and. You know, it's interesting because I really had, this was an extension of my news career. And when you're doing broadcast news for regular TV stations and that kind of thing, you have a very short window of how long your piece can be. You know, if you're lucky, it's a minute 30. Usually it's less than that. And when you do the interviews, uh, generally you need to keep people at arm's length. You can't really get involved in their lives. I think if you're meeting with them repeatedly, it makes a difference. But this is what was really, really different for me with this film because I got to know the people very, very well. And what happened there, and because they gave me such intimate interviews, and we talked so much on the phone, is that they stayed in touch with me, and we're friends, and, you know, not to capitalize on that friendship, but that did really help us with the film, because I was able to keep up with what was going on in their lives, and what would have been, say, about a year and a half of filming became five years, and that Uh. was because things were changing with their relationships. And as caregivers and within their families, and we found that it was important to follow those stories and to keep going. So we followed them for five years, 
I was going to ask you about that because uh, there was a sense of of the span of time, which as a person who who was a caregiver for 10 years, I really appreciated because um, lives unfold beyond, you know, the first two years where you're grappling uh, lives continue to unfold, and, and I, f- I felt you, cap- you captured that. Thank you. You know, we tried. But what I, what I constantly say is that The Weight of Honor as a film is really a vehicle for these stories from these caregivers, and they are who made it happen. They were willing to open up their homes to camera crews. Uh, they were... Uh, the ones who were willing to go on camera and to really speak and tell their stories. And the reason for that is because they want the civilian audience to know about what happens, about what happens after a veteran comes home and if he's wounded, either visibly or invisibly, that things don't end there. And it involves more than him. It involves everyone within his family. And I was thinking as I was watching, having having lived uh, in a caregiving environment not related to war, related to cancer, for so long, I was thinking of um, the generosity that they showed in... Uh, adding one more thing, right? <laughs> Being filmed. I, I just was on a, um, a musical tour that is going to be made into a documentary um, and uh, a tour through the South with the uh, SF Gay Men's Chorus, actually. And, um, you know, but so I was thinking of all that takes to have cameras in your face and be interviewed, you know, all of that. And and your subjects being in the position that they're already kind of maxed out in some senses, but wanting that to get out, I, I can understand both parts of that, the wanting it to get out and the the um, what it does take to add something. Well, that's interesting. I, let me say two things about that. That situation was always in the back of my mind. Wherever we were filming, I kept thinking, oh, does she need to go change her husband's wounds? Does he need Uh to go lie down? Does she need, you know, what does she need to do right now? And that was constantly in the back of my mind. Uh, One of the shoots, the caregiver had come home literally the night before with a new baby after a C-section. And I kept saying, are you sure? We really, really don't need to come then. And she insisted. She's like, no, 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 please come. It was just amazing. The other thing is I recently saw one of the caregivers who we had spent quite a bit of time with, and their story was remarkable. Um, He had a medical condition that kept deteriorating. And when they found out that he actually has epilepsy and things were, that diagnosis made things go from bad to worse because Mm -hmm. they were trying to cope with that. She told me specifically that at at that point she could no longer deal with our documentary with filmmakers. And quite honestly, she... She really dropped out of the film, and their story is not in the film, because I I felt it wasn't finished, 
but also I needed to respect her privacy. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I was... I was very aware, you know, obviously I felt very personal about the film because of the caregiving aspect of it. And um, I was extremely shy, actually, before that caregiving experience, and that very much changed. I would have done anything in front of the people that were helping us out. I just had to let go of that whole privacy piece. And so when you would be filming... Uh, one of the caregivers dressing a wound or, uh, you know, helping in some way that was very um, personal. It really brought back that experience that in some way uh, I felt a strong um, pull to open up, which which was very counterintuitive for me at the time. And I well, wondered if maybe... Well, do you think that you would have been, been okay with being a documentary, being in a documentary at that time with having cameras right there? How, how do you think? I think I would have been fine with it. Hmm. Uh, people are different, and I wouldn't have been fine with it necessarily right at the start. Uh, but a few years in, um, I, I think that depending on the reason that it was being done... For sure, but if I was I was with the mission, I would have welcomed it. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's a very um, I I I always try to remember where I was before that experience, and then the fact that it changed me in line with what this show is all about. Yeah, I I I really I see that uh, the people we interviewed were not in an acute mode when we were with them. And that's why you'll see stories that they're telling, and we do use animation because they're using stories that we wanted to illustrate, and they were very important stories. Uh, And I'm not going to give away too much about the film, so there, I said there's animation. That's about all you're going to get out of me. (laughs) But it was still really hard for them, and when they were remembering the really difficult times and at the very beginning and all the doubts that they had, that was very personal and very intimate and very emotional for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can certainly resonate with that. But, uh, you know, that, that certain moments in your story bring, bring back the pain of them, uh, regardless of how far forward from that you've gone. So I can well imagine that. Um, yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting, Cheryl. And whenever anybody asks me about the film, I always say this because it's remarkable. Um, you know, these interviews would go for a long time, and we would take some breaks. And in some of them, and you can see, they're they're crying, they're sobbing, mm-hmm. and I'm across from them crying and sobbing. You just don't see that. And behind me is a camera crew that's sort of sniffling away. And Mm -hmm. when the cameras were off, I would say to them, I would say to these women, I'm really sorry. I didn't come here to exploit your position or to make you cry. And, And they would be wiping their tears saying, no, 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 it's okay. I'm glad that we're talking about this because no one has asked me these questions which just blew me away. And that goes to the crux of why you even make the movie. And maybe I'm jumping ahead in your questions here. Not at all. Go ahead. No one seems to know 
the civilian audience, I don't think has any idea of what these families are going through. And I say families because it impacts everyone. Absolutely. Uh, we saw a lot of instances where it really impacts the children. And the children become caregivers themselves in different ways. And we talk about that. Because they're yes, there, there's a very, a very moving example of that in the film that really touched me so deeply, a very young child and how they learned to help. Um, you know, and I had children at the time, so that certainly resonated, brought up experiences of my own, too. Um, but, and, but and, back as they, to and as they get as they got older, those experiences were different, right? I mean, they weren't always just the same. It, a lot of it has to do with how old they are. Okay, what what, you're, what they're experiencing at age four is going to be different by the time they're nine, ten, eleven. You know, it might be something where it's really not possible to invite your friends over. Absolutely, because the parent or the, the patient or, you know, the, the vet just can't have other people in the house. You know, you, there are all kinds of issues. We met one family where the oldest daughter got her license at age 14 because she needed to be able to drive around her younger siblings and go to the grocery store and run errands because her mother was spending six hours a day changing bandages for dad who was severely burned by an IED. Well, that young woman missed out on all the things that we take for granted in high school. She didn't have a chance really to date anyone. She didn't have a chance to go to dances or football games. She needed to be the fill-in mom. And the mom constantly felt guilty about that. You know, where does she go? Does she go to her children or does she go to her wounded husband? The push and pull of that is an emotional challenge in itself. Absolutely. And and I know from, uh, you know, my kids that it goes in two directions. There's the things they lose as a result. And there's also um, something they gained, some things they gained in terms of empathy and in terms of um, being able to show up for people in difficult circumstances, it goes that direction as well. I don't know if you saw that with any of your, you know, oh, sure. younger that, subjects. That young but. woman is now, um, I think she's a psychologist or a social worker. Mm. Whatever it is that she's doing now, I, I directly correlates to her experiences growing up. I mean, yes. It's really obvious. But, you know, mm-hmm. the thing is, and what we bring out in the film, is most of these families and most of these wounded veterans are very, very young. You know, they've gone to the war, gone to war. They've enlisted it, you know, right out of high school or yes. close to it. And so they're 19, 20, 21 when they're injured. And many of them were already married, married very, very young. A couple of them... I had wives waiting for them who were pregnant or had just given birth. So then this happens, and if we're looking at someone who's in their early 20s, we're looking at decades of caregiving. Because if they're living to what the age is, you know, for a nice long life in the United States, that's decades and decades of caregiving. 
And, you know, you, of course, followed people who'd been kind of catastrophically injured, but I think of um, kind of all the people who have seen combat, who combat back differently, uh, who come back different than they were. Uh, my my oldest daughter has a lot of friends whose um, significant others went went to war, and they took a quite a long time to kind of find their way again. Um, so the impact on that whole um, age group, you do point out uh, in the film what a minority is affected directly by the military, but I think. Uh, that does spread out, yes? I think so. Um, you know, one of the issues about this war, which, by, by the way, is the longest war we've ever been in. Now it's 16 years. Mm. Uh, because they were enlisted and they were volunteers, who, here's the issue. You have a very small military population. Only 1% of the people in the United States have served in this war. 99% of people really don't know that much about it. So when you have a small, small number like that, many of them were redeployed five, six, seven times. I just heard about someone who was deployed seven times. Well, the injuries that they get, even if they come home without visible injuries, uh, you have traumatic brain injury from all the explosions all around them where their brains are, you know, they're, they're, they are quite literally bounced around. Yes. Their brains. Um, Let's come back to that in a minute because I don't want to shortchange it and it's time for a break because I think that's just um, so vital to, to share with people. So let's, uh, let's start there when we come back. Okay. Listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America for Facebook, Twitter, email, the whole works. And to find Stephanie Selden Howard in her film, you can go to weightofhonormovie.com. The movie's also now available on uh, platforms like iTunes and, and um, anywhere that you um, download movies. Be back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Stephanie Selden Howard about her film, The Weight of Honor. Uh, just before the break, I slightly misspoke. You can you can find the movie at theweightofhonormovie.com and on Facebook and Twitter and um, any platform where movies are sold. Um, before the break, Stephanie, we were just, just starting to talk about... Um, you know the the state of war how i would kind of encapsulate it is the state of war right now where because it's an all volunteer army uh well military not just army people are being deployed uh uh an overwhelming number of times. Of course, I was thinking that increases the likelihood of injury if you're just going back again and again and again. So, um, and that the general public, I'm certainly aware that that war has gone on a long time, but uh, I'm not immediately impacted by what that means for military families. Uh, and I, I felt your film brought me into that in a much deeper way. Yes, thank you. And you know what, Cheryl, I should say, I should have said this at the beginning. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert on any of this. Uh, I ha- this was all a learning process for me as well. So please, everyone who's listening, keep that in mind. I learned about this issue the same as anyone who comes to see the film will learn that... And, you know, maybe I was being presumptuous when I thought about the subject of the film, and I thought, well, I don't know any about anything about this, so I bet a lot of other people don't either. And I had to do a little research in that case, because I thought, well, maybe I'm just not well-read enough. But it's true. It's like you said. Most of us during this war are not connected in any real way to anyone who's served. I'm I'm thinking of the impact. My brother-in-law was on a um, a ship. He's Navy. He was on a ship. He was a repair person on the ship uh, um, near Kuwait, uh, repairing things that uh, you know, repairing planes and such, and that from the from the Iraq War. And I remember the fear that that whole family had. 
he was not injured. He wasn't even near combat. But the impact on, you know, all 50 of my family members of just being that close. And every time something would happen near that area, you know, terror. Um, So there's that, too, that people are recovering from living through a deployment experience where you don't know uh, where your, your family member is not safe. That's right. I hadn't really thought about that. Some of the people talk about that in the film. But, you know, one of the other things that we're seeing more and more of and is a very real condition is called P- secondary PTSD, where you have a spouse or a parent or even a child who's deeply and emotionally impacted by their wounded veteran. And we see a lot of, especially the wives, not being able to sleep, of having their own set of nightmares and their own set of fatigue. And a lot of that goes along with not taking care of themselves because they're taking care of everybody else. And that's uh, specific to this, but also a caregiver uh, phenomenon that... uh, you're right, nobody asks, and also a lot of caregivers don't consider themselves because they they consider that it's happening to someone else, their, their spouse or their daughter or son, and that's very damaging. I don't know if you know that, that um, there's a, a twice as much likelihood of a caregiver being depressed as the person they're caring for. That's interesting. That's yeah, an interesting and, and I... Statistic. I, mean, I think it's look, partly that, it isn't it? Way. You're a mom. I'm a mom. If people are sick in the house and you get sick, who's going to be the one to take care of everyone? Right? Yes. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. If, if we're worried about our kids and taking care of them and getting them to the doctor, you know, even if we're not talking about military wounds, We're mothers, and that's what we're going to do, because that's in our DNA. So if you're caring for someone who's catastrophically wounded, and it's 24-7, it's all the time. And if you have a situation where a lot of these caregivers are communicating through Facebook with one another, because who's up in the middle of the night that they can talk to? Absolutely. You know, via the internet. They may have just been up taking care of their wounded because he had, you know, a nightmare or a flashback. Or maybe they're so used to sleeping so lightly that they're up most of the night anyway. They need someone to talk to. And sometimes they don't get any further than reaching out to someone else on Facebook. Luckily, and I shouldn't even say luckily, there are a lot of nonprofits Uh, that have really brought this to the attention of the U.S. government. And there now is a very involved uh, department for caregivers at the VA. There's some really, really large and government-funded organizations specifically for caregivers. But uh, they all weren't there, or some of them were, but not all of them were there and as active when I started this six years ago. Ah, that's that's promising. Um, I, I was so aware of the economic impacts, uh, the people uh, who had to um, leave jobs or 
change locations or, uh, you know, get rid of a house and get another one because of triggers and all those secondary losses that come out of these experiences um, that, you know, I'm glad that there are services. I think there also needs to be an, an economic component, yes, if families are doing the right. work to keep these, keep, keep returning soldiers alive, basically. Really, and we haven't, and in the film, there is one of the experts says, you know, we're really concerned about the budget of what we're going to spend at war, but we're not really looking at how much we should have available for the result of the war. The big thing about the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan is happily, many, many, many more injured have survived because of our medical advances. And people are being saved literally on the battlefield. And also we can get them to a medical facility and get them to a hospital and get them stateside much, much faster. We can get them within days if they can, you know, get their health stabled enough. So that's all expensive, and that costs a lot. And then if you have these really catastrophically, seriously wounded veterans, they're going to need care for the rest of their lives. That's expensive, too. As far as economically for the family, oh, yeah. Think about it. You, you may have disability. You may have the pay coming in from the military. But you generally can't be working if you're a caregiver. Maybe once things stabilize, you can go back to work. But not everyone has become stabilized especially those with PTSD and other invisible wounds like TBI. They have to be with their wounded 100% of the time. Mm, What is available for post-9-11 veterans and their caregivers, veteran caregivers, is a stipend that um, actually just started being paid in the last couple of years. The problem is it's determined by the VA, and it's dependent upon what the VA has decided is the level of disability. So if you have, say, a husband who is 100% disabled for whatever reason, that has to be determined by the VA. Sometimes that takes up to a year to be decided. And as a caregiver, you might have to wait for that to be determined and for your stipend to be determined. Happily now, in the last few years, there are programs that will sort of bridge that gap, but it's a strain on a lot of these families. And it's an emotional upheaval, too. You can't put a price on what happens to a family, including the children. If you have to move because where you live creates too many triggers for your veteran. I mean, think about that. I met a woman, if you don't mind me telling this story, I met a woman last week at a screening. And we had Q&A afterwards. And she lived in California with her family. And her husband has severe PTSD. The sound of traffic would trigger him. To this day, if he sees someone in a uniform... Even his kids know we have to get him going the other way because he will trigger if he sees someone in a uniform. He will just 
curl up into a fetal position. It will just Mm -hmm. be a terrible flashback for him. So they decided, and she decided, she moved her entire family to Omaha, Nebraska. She has no family there. She moved herself, her husband, and her two kids to Omaha. And she still can't work because uh, she can work some out of home, but she can't leave him alone. And she picked Omaha because she saw it was quiet. The VA system is, is good there. The schools are good there. And she felt like that would be a good place for her family. This happened a few months ago. She says it's the best decision they probably made in their entire life. But think about how hard that must have been. And I even said that to her. It's hard enough for a single person to decide they're going to move halfway across the country. Think about someone in this kind of position. And also just the kind of... um, Now, I don't want to overplay, you know... Uh, coastal, metropolitan versus Midwestern, smaller town. I don't want to overplay that. But still, it's quite a different environment, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, some of these families have to live almost completely off the grid. There are some people who are living way up and outside any metropolitan areas in the Rockies because... Uh, the the wounded vet cannot stand, cannot handle being near people. It's terrible. And the caregiver, you know, I'm, I don't said, know if this okay, is... that's the way of life. This actually makes our lives better and easier because he can cope, and therefore our lives are easier. Yes, kind of with within what's true what works best. <laughs> you get very practical on that score. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm also just aware because I'm a mental health professional that um, getting, we, we were talking a few minutes ago about having to be um, certified by the military in order to get some help, uh, the, the injury, I think it's harder to get something like PTSD certified anywhere, probably I'm guessing in the military, although I think they're getting more aware, but still um, sometimes hard to prove, yes? Oh, yeah, very hard to prove. And a lot of times, you know, I, I'm tell, I, since the movie has come out, and it's only been out really for a few weeks, I hear more and more stories. Stories like um, they didn't realize that their veteran even had PTSD. Something sometimes seemed a little off, um, and then it became more frequent. And then he or she had to be encouraged to go get, to go be diagnosed, to go to a doctor, to go to a psychotherapist or psychiatrist, to be diagnosed. And... Sometimes it doesn't occur to anyone that maybe it will finally occur to the caregiver, that maybe she is a caregiver, that maybe this is going on, and then trying to get her loved one to go for medical help is a huge problem. Well, not to mention, I think, especially hard, and uh, someone in your film mentioned military culture, self-re- self-reliant, I can handle everything, to 
it must be very delicate to bring up the subject of going to a counselor with yeah, someone sure. who doesn't have the the physical the the obvious physical injuries. Obviously, it's a physical injury when your brain is affected, but um, it, it's it's not as overt. Uh, so I imagine that's a hard conversation too, uh, depending on hard, the dynamic. You know, they go if they're going somewhere in public. They don't look like they're injured. They don't look like there's something wrong. And yet, if they're in a grocery store and they're scanning, looking for any kind of danger, um, and looking apprehensive, you know, if if people are in the grocery store and they see that, they don't know. It's not Absolutely. like there's a leg missing or an arm missing or burn injuries, which are also horrible. And and you know, it's just not really obvious to other people. That's Absolutely. another set of circumstances. That's that's another yeah. thing. You know, there was there. Uh, I don't want to give away too much of your film either, but there was a circumstance in which someone um, had a triggering event and ended up in confrontation with the police. And I was also thinking about how um, the the um, aspect of who serves in the military um, very disproportionately people of color. And then, you know, them them coming back traumatized and interfacing with systems that are not always uh, thinking in terms of what's going on with this person, but they're, you know, uh, uh, reacting fairly quickly. Um, And it, it just kind of brought fear to my gut for these people that are coming back um, emotionally injured and trying to interface with the world we all live in. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I it's hard to hold that. down jobs or, or any of that. You know, yeah. um, going back we're, to, we're about families, to go to really a anybody who knows anyone who goes to war, the people we're sending to war are supermen and superwomen, physically and emotionally and morally. I mean, that's the vast majority of who's going to war. So then when you have people coming back severely injured and broken, that's a shock for everyone. It's a shock for the family. It's a shock for everyone around them. And one of the things that that gets to be really, really difficult around this time of year is the fact that you have a lot of veterans who cannot be around crowds. So to go and even be with their family where everyone's loud and celebrating and there's a big table and everything else, they may end up in a corner feeling very unsociable. And there are also people I've met who have no relationship anymore with extended family because so many of their family members are saying, hey, you've been back five years. Can you get over it already? Oh, that breaks my heart. Um, before we go to break, Stephanie, it's it's time for our second break here. But I would like you to name all the platforms this film is on so people can go uh, find it. Would you do that before we go to break? Sure. You can go on uh, Amazon, Amazon, iTunes, Voodoo. Our distributor is Virgil Films. Uh, I can't remember who the other one is. Sorry. If you go to the website, and that's theweightofhonormovie.com, on the home page, there's a button to click that says, buy the film now. 
And if you click on that, it'll give you a whole menu of where you can go to download or to purchase a DVD. I hope people will go who aren't actually in this circumstance because I think it's it's something we all need to be aware of as a society that we're putting putting people in in war circumstances and they're coming back and uh, I think us having the information about what what that experience looks like for the whole family is really important so I hope people will go look uh, and during the break. Uh, listeners, you can go to weatheringgrief.com. You can go to the Good Grief host page to find me in any way. And as Stephanie mentioned, you can find the, the film at theweightofhonormovie.com. Back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you heard of nutritional balancing? Your body's biochemistry affects the mental, physical, and emotional aspects of your life. Many of the diseases we face are related to an imbalance of the mind, body, and spirit. Find out how to get everything back in line when you tune in to Healing Treasures of Wisdom with host Daniel Solomon. Learn how to heal yourself and your family every week. Listen Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Stephanie Selden Howard, and we've been talking about her film, The Weight of Honor, and the incredible load that family caregivers carry for really for all of us when they're uh, when the service members they love are catastrophically injured. And uh, Stephanie, I thought it would it would be um, useful just to mention the kinds of injuries we're talking about: um, very severe burns, loss of limb. Uh, you know. I I would say probably the people you interviewed were fairly representative of the kinds of injuries that people are coming back with. Would you say that's true? I would like to think that's true. I can't. You know, one of the things that's really difficult in a film like this, and the film is 56 minutes. It's just under one hour. Uh, we interviewed many more people than who actually are in the film. You can't... <sighs> 
you can't be representative of everyone. One of, of the course. things that came up for me, we screened for the very first time at the National Disabled uh, American Veterans Conference in New Orleans during the summer. And by and large, most of the people who are active members in that organization are Vietnam-era veterans, some Korea War era. And after the screening, what I heard a lot was, why didn't you interview families and caregivers from other wars? And the only thing I could do was say, quite simply, I had, I had to minimize it at some point. I couldn't keep going and going and going. I, I needed to get a movie out there. And that's why I don't, I, I can't say that everyone and everything is represented. Uh, we tried the best we could. I mean, you have people who have burns and amputations. People who have amputations and what's called limb salvaging, where um, they medically were able to save a, a limb, an arm or a leg, without amputating, but there is very limited use of that arm or leg. Um, kidney loss, kidney damage, a lot, a lot of them are just one infection away from being in the hospital for months and months and months, or bed rest for months and months and months. And then, of course, we have a veteran who has no visible wounds, no visible wounds at all, but he's severely emotionally wounded. And including, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, you mentioned, uh, you know, percussive injuries of the brain uh, from very loud noises, but I'm, I'm guessing there's, there are a lot of actual concussions because your head gets hit or um, your head hits something that, again, are not going to be quite as, um, vi- quite as visible in general. Uh, it it really stood out to me uh, in that regard, um, the person in your film who that applies to, um, how different his personality was, um, whereas it seems for the people whose heads were not involved, um, they found their way back a little more to who they'd been maybe? What, what do you think? I can't, I can't really say. I think it's, it's the same. It's different for everyone. I know the family I'd spoken about before, who are the family that's not in the film, he um, would be, there would be um, explosions quite a ways from him, quite a distance. And he was fine coming back. In fact, I think, and this happened in a lot of cases, if they may have had a concussion or something, but then they were sent back out because it wasn't deemed to be that serious. Mm. Um, he didn't show any, any injuries, any problems until years later. He started out by losing his sight gradually, starting to have blackout episodes, personality changes, and now he is uh, medically blind, you know, um, he can still see, but he can't drive or anything. He has ground mal seizures frequently, and they're talking about brain surgery to help stop the seizures, but he will have a lot of memory loss. 
Oh, so what a terrible choice never, to make. He was never in a Humvee or a tank that had an IED. It's just that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time when there were other explosions. Well, and if we think- just look at what's what's been out there about football um, injuries, there's also the more exposure you have to um, something that messes with your brain, the worse potentially um, things become. So I can imagine with numerous, numerous deployments, the risk of that becomes greater. We're learning more and more about that. I think probably in the next few years we're going to learn a lot more about that. The kind of cumulative effect? I think also because um, medicine is seeing a correlation and it's, you know, there's actually a diagnosis for traumatic brain injury. It's actually called TBI. Years Mm -hmm. ago, I don't think there would have been. That's... Well, this is a long-range, um, something to pay attention to in terms of, you know, what are people's experiences when they're acting um, kind of out of control or, you know, um, well, even angry. Subtle, or, even maybe subtle changes in personality. But we don't yes. know. We don't, we're not going to see the extent of this for a long time. A lot of these people aren't going to show any impact or any injuries for a long time. But once again, I'm going to say, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. It's only what I've read and what I've learned from other people. Well, I feel honestly, Stephanie, that that's part of the strength of the film, that it's that it's you were learning as you were filming, and there's a, a very... Uh, a narrative quality to what you're sharing because you've shared stories that I think um, folds into a larger picture, but it's very, it's moving because it's personal. And I wanted to, before I let you go today in this last uh, few minutes that we have, I, I would love to hear the impact. I don't know what inspired you to make this particular movie uh, but you've you've spent a long time with it, you, uh, and you deeply immersed. That was obvious. I just wonder about the impact on you as the person telling these stories. Well, first of all, being in news for so long, one of the things uh, my husband, Roger Howard, who is also my co-producer, and I have always said, every time you do a story, you learn something. Uh, you learn about another subject. So in doing this film, as you can tell by the interview we've just had, I've learned a lot. There's a lot more I don't know, but I've had to learn a lot. The other thing is I I have trouble going to movies now that show war scenes. Uh, I didn't realize that until I actually was seeing some and realized it bothered me a lot. Um, so personally, that's just my own thing. But I just feel so honored that these caregivers have opened up their hearts to me. I, I just can't begin to tell you how honored I am. And that's, that's really been the biggest impact. But also, when we, we've just started doing screenings 
and the reaction from people who have seen it is remarkable. One I did last week, um, a group within the audience decided that they wanted to get together. They wanted to adopt a caregiver family, and they want to help them with child care and with meals and with respite care and give them a chance, give the couple a chance to go out and see a movie and have dinner and that kind of thing, and whatever they need. Um, I think that's, that's showing, okay, people are taking the call to action seriously and they're moved to do that. And I love the fact that people can download or see the film, purchase the film on DVD, but what I really see happening is if they host a screening or if a university purchases an educational license and has screenings, it's quite effective because this film starts a conversation and it's, it's a good kickstart to a larger conversation. And I like to see that give and take. By all means, if you want to watch it in your living room, I'm not opposed to that. But, uh, <laughs> on, our, on the front page of our website, there's also a button that says host a screening, and it takes you to a form where you can fill that out. And, mm-hmm. and that would be, that's really awesome. It's, it's a wonderful experience to see unfolding. And so the way I hear that is there's been the personal impact of, of an honor of uh, interacting with these families, getting to know them, um, having having stories shared with you that are so meaningful. And then there's the sense of going forward, the impact the film might have on people's understanding and their calls to action. Uh, and and what I've noticed over time, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people who just start with wanting to do something and they do it and then it leads in directions they couldn't have exactly foretold. Uh, so I hear that in it too, that um, this is a growing uh, a growing process that you're in about um, sharing these stories. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, well, thank yes. you. Thank you so much for being with me today. I've really appreciated it. And um, I hope people will go watch the film because, uh, you know, having grown up with no real understanding of military life whatsoever, nobody in my close family was in the military. Um, there's a segregation that happens that uh, when people are going and doing this for us. So I'm I'm really glad that we brought that to light a bit today. And um, I wish all these families and you and your film the best of luck. Thank you very much, Cheryl, and thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. Next week, listeners, I'll have Carla Fernandez, founder of The Dinner Party, which helps people to organize in-home dinners to talk about their losses. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.